Are you in a long-distance relationship? Is it difficult to find people who just get it? We know for us it was challenging to feel understood and supported. That's why we created a collection of worksheets and guides for how to navigate long distance. You'll find information like how to communicate with your partner, how to keep things spicy, and how to discuss your values and closing the distance. This is totally for you. Head over to www.suzyhalajian.com shop to pick up your own copy and learn the skills to empower your relationship. Welcome to Couch Time. I am your host, Susie, a licensed marriage and family therapist, joined by my co-host, Janet, licensed clinical social worker. Thank you for joining our show where we dive into topics like mental health and relationship wellness, along with sharing our experiences and lessons learned on our road to licensure and building a private practice. You can connect with us at roadtowellness.co and suzyhologian.com, where you can also find show notes for this episode. Welcome everyone to Couch Time Podcast. I'm Janet Byramian, and I'm here with my colleague, Susie Halajian. Hello, everyone. And we have a very special guest here today, Eileen, who we actually went to grad school together, I believe, or maybe we went during different times, and we actually worked at an agency together previously. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And Eileen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know on the surface, you're an LCSW. I do also know that you have a coaching background as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that today? Yes. So I am a certified life coach with a program that is accredited with the International Coaching Federation. A lot of people don't realize that even though coaching is unregulated, there are governing boards that hold a certain standard of practice. So I have a background in coaching, went to grad school and eventually became a, you know, a, pursued my MSW and became a licensed therapist. And that's pretty much my story. Oh, Eileen, to be honest, I didn't know that there was like this certification and, and governing you know, overseeing board, I think colloquially when the rest of us therapists, I guess, talk about it, there, there is this like bias and stigma, right. Of, oh, you know, coaches don't have anything that like keeps them in line or keeps them in check. Would you say that that's a common misconception that you face as both a therapist and a coach as well? Yeah. You know, it's a lot more common than people realize in regards to that misconception. And it's not just within therapists. It's also within coaches, I've come across coaches who we've talked about training and they did like a weekend seminar and just got the certificate that they paid, you know, three to $500 for sometimes even up to, you know, a couple grand for, and they didn't realize that there is a governing board that has a standard of practice that has ethics, that has guidelines that even has core competencies that they'd like you to fulfill. So it's pretty common. And, you know, I would say that there is a huge misconception a lot of, you know, a lot of therapists, we deal with that misconception of being assumed that all we do in our sessions is listen to people vent. And it's part of the reason why it hurts us as therapists, because people will take this attitude of, I don't need a therapist, I have my friend or I have my partner, and that's free. They don't recognize that what we do is we actually do have a scope of practice that we stick to, we have guidelines, we have We have frameworks that we use and it's the same thing, you know, with coaching. Coaching does have these, 
expectations that it needs to adhere to, including ethics. So it's, it's very, it's very much a misunderstanding and I've gotten a chance to respect both disciplines for what they do and how they help people. I mean, it's great. I think for those who are listening to be able to hear that perspective of yours, because, you know, even like when I think about, you know, my friends or colleagues, I feel like we've all had that, you know, guise of that misconception. So thank you for being able to, to clear that up for people who are listening and think, and might be even thinking like, you know, I'm going into therapy or I'm considering going into coaching. Will I have some help and guidance to be able to follow that process? Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that coaching is very unregulated. There is no formal process in which you have to go through a formal training in order to practice as a coach. Mm -hmm. There's no licensing process. There's no formal licensing processes. You know, there is accreditation with the ICF if you are deciding to pursue something that is beyond just the basics of how to coach and, you know, understanding the ethics, you could move on to be, you know, a ACC, an MCC, or a PCC. Uh, Those are not in the order in which the hierarchy is. But basically what it is, is that you are an associate credentialed coach, you are a professional credentialed coach, and you are a master coach. And in order to become, you know, an ACC, an MCC, or a PCC, you do have to you do have to seek supervision. You do have to seek additional education. It's pretty similar to what we go through the BBS. It's just not required. And that's where I feel a lot of therapists have this misconception that coaches just tell people what to do. I remember sharing with you, Janet, and I think I wrote about it in a blog post for, you know, when I guest blog for you, where I was listening to this podcast and I won't name the podcast, but these two people were having a discussion and neither of them had a coaching background. And one of them said, I'd love to be a coach because I could just tell people what to do. And I literally just paused the podcast and I was like, I need to take a moment because that's not the truth. And that's very, it can be very, you know, frustrating as a coach to want people to recognize you and what your scope of practice is. And thank you for illuminating that. Again, I am learning so much about this and just hearing you speak. I am curious, Eileen, could you perhaps maybe define what coaching actually is? And also, could you explain the difference between coaching and therapy? Because I think a lot of people confuse the two. And, and also, I think when people are seeking help, they don't know what they need. Like some people question, oh, should I do therapy or should I do coaching? So curious if you can explain that. Yeah. So, you know, the really best way for me to break this down, for me to create some sort of mental visualization exercise for the people that are listening to this podcast is to look at mental wellness as a continuum. And on one side of the spectrum, you know, you've got more severe, more intense. And then on the other side, you have optimal wellness. And I'm going to also compare this to a fitness, a physical fitness continuum, because it's easier to kind of grasp that concept. So, you know, imagine that there's a line, I'm drawing a line, it's a straight line that's going from one side to the other. And on one side, it's going to be severe you know, severe illness, distress, very high distress. And on the other hand, again, like I said, is optimal wellness. And it's less of, you know, coaching and therapy, it's less of being segregated boxes of you're either well or unwell. It's more along that line. 
So when you look at it, you know, when you look at wellness in terms of that continuum, what you are doing is you're getting an understanding of where you are on that continuum. You know, clearly at any point in your life, you're going to either move in the direction of wellness, or you're going to move in the direction of experiencing more significant, you know, distress, disorder, et cetera. So when I'm thinking of when a client is coming in and trying to explain to them what their needs are, it's taking a look at where they are on that continuum. So if I'm using the comparison of physical, you know, physical fitness and physical wellness, a clinical psychotherapist is just like being a physical therapist. And they're trained in understanding the full anatomy and science behind distress, discomfort, as well as challenges with mobility. Clearly, with the example of the physical therapist, they are looking at any type of like impingements, etc. What you're doing as a clinical psychotherapist is you're kind of taking that same approach. You're looking at distress, you're looking at discomfort, you're looking at areas in which our life where there's limited mobility, right? Limited awareness or what we can say. So what you're doing as, you know, that side of the, the continuum is you're honing in on a lot of symptoms and you're understanding the core root of what's driving those symptoms. So there's a heavy focus on treatment as well as working to move in the direction where there's no more impact to that injury or that disorder. And it becomes less of a challenge to basically move through your life. Now, clearly as clinicians here, especially if you are accepting insurance, you're trying to make sure this person's meeting medical necessity. So what you're evaluating for is what part of their life domains are completely impacted. And that's what your central focus on is you're looking to alleviate, reduce, or remove a lot of those symptoms. And sometimes really what therapy can be is it's about maintenance and management. It's about helping a person go from a high level of distress to feeling a bit more orderly. So with using this example of the continuum, coaching is a lot like working with an athletic coach or a personal trainer. You're looking for somebody that is able-bodied enough to be able to do some of the exercises, the movements, going into a state of high performance. So along that continuum, you're also going to have different aspects and different I guess you can say niches of coaching. So you may have a coach who's just focusing on one aspect and on the, you know, on the end of complete optimization, you could be working with an executive coach. That is somebody that's helping you do things like get your business straight, getting your affairs in order in a way that's going to help you with what your goals are. And I would say, you know, the, the major differences between the two, in addition to what their focuses are, it's also what you do in actual practice. Therapy takes, you know, they, there's different frameworks in which you could use for, you know, for helping your clients with management of, uh, of their symptoms. With coaching, there are also different frameworks you use and they're actually similar, but different. You know, the, what I would say is the major common things that you would see with coaching and therapy is that they both promote wellness. What they're looking for is to help somebody feel better. They're helping somebody move across that continuum in any way that they need to. There's also, you know, again, as I mentioned, if you are trained with the ICF, there's like a huge, huge focus on ethics, coaches and therapists. It's all client self-determination. We got to respect what the client wants, even if it is not what's on our own agendas. We're there to support the client. We're there to listen to what they're saying. Coaches and therapy for the most part, mm -hmm. are strengths-based. We're looking to capitalize on what's going well in a client's life. What are their strengths? What are their capabilities? What do their support systems look like? What are the resources available that are going to help them along in this continuum? So 
with that said, you know, there's also the big ethical things. Confidentiality is the same across the board. One of the things that is very grating for me as both a therapist and a coach is if I'm looking at a coach's social media, you know, if that's YouTube, if that's any of their videos, when they start talking about clients, even if they don't name the client by name, I get really uncomfortable. And my first thought is, does your client know that you're discussing them? on your social media. I think therapists have a better concept of not talking directly about their clients, but I don't necessarily see that in coaches. I see a lot of coaches that will not name clients, but they'll talk all about what happened in the session. So, you know, that's one of those things where confidentiality is a really big thing. In regards to, you know, other things as well, with therapy and coaching, there's also core competencies that you have to hit before you are able to practice as a coach. So there's core competencies, and I'm not going to go through them. You know, I'm going to invite anybody who's curious to really go onto the ICF's website and to take a look at these core competencies. Now, the biggest things I would say on an ethical perspective between the both is as a therapist, if your client gets into any type of legal trouble, there's a part of you that can hold privilege. It's part of our designation to hold privilege if it has any potential to hurt or harm your client. We can say no. We can basically decline that. We can talk to our malpractice insurances, have our, you know, have our attorneys representing a step in. You don't hold that same privilege with coaching. So if, if an attorney, not even with a subpoena, comes to you and says, I need to know what's going on with my client, there's no privilege that you could assert as a coach. There's also this idea that you can be trauma-informed as a coach, but you cannot coach any type of mental health issues. You also can't coach trauma without a clinical background. And this is something that I was very curious about, being that there are a lot of programs that will help people learn to coach trauma. And when I checked in with the ICF, they said there's actually a lot of very big legal and ethical implications with that, being that if you are a coach who's practicing in another state, there's a different process that each state goes to. If you're a coach and you are also not a clinician in your own state in which you practice, you can't place a hold. You also may not be trained to provide any type of crisis intervention in that moment. And the toughest things, and you know, in discussion with ICF as well as you know, talking to my mentors about the the challenges with coaching any type of mental health issues is that you may not have the competency to do so. And it's also a big no-no. It's outside of your scope of practice. So if something goes wrong with your client, even if you are a therapist, an example, I'm a therapist in California. If I'm coaching a client in another state and if things go awry and it's not clear to the client that I'm a coach, it's not clear to the client that what we are doing is coaching. And this is exactly what it looks like and how different it is from therapy. I could get in really big trouble because it's me basically bending the rules in order to perform a, you know, perform a practice that's not appropriate outside of that state. Wow. Thank you for breaking that down. Yeah. yeah. Eileen with, with that last bit that you're talking about, I'm curious. So if you are in the same state where you're also licensed as a therapist, does coaching allow you to use those skills and, and your aspect of being a therapist as well? That's a really great question. So the one thing I will say is if you are, if you are a therapist and you also have a side practice as a coach, 
you have to be really clear with your client, whether or not you are coaching them or you're providing therapy. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because when you have clients that know you're a clinician and they're signing up for coaching, they're expecting you to show up as a clinician. It's just the, you know, it's, it's just the idea and the, the perception they have. It's also a common misconception that people who don't like clinical therapists for whatever reason, they think I can just hire a coach and they'll do the exact same thing. It's therapy light. It is not therapy light. So I would say that if you are a therapist and you are offering coaching, it's something that you could talk about and saying, you know, our sessions are designated as therapy sessions. There's a lot of coaching that actually goes on in therapy. I'm pretty sure every therapist, you know, both of you can agree and any Mm -hmm. therapist who's listening acknowledges that there is an aspect of coaching and encouragement and helping your clients come up with solutions, you know, solutions focused therapy is a little bit of work coaching can draw from. So there's a lot of coaching that goes on in therapy, but there's absolutely no therapy that goes on in coaching. There shouldn't be. That's a great differentiation. Yeah. And, you know, on, on a more personal note, as a practice, I've developed this identity as a therapist amongst the clients that I service, that I am a really good therapist. If you want to work, you know, if if you are a person who does not like standard traditional therapy and you want to be able to do something proactive, therapy is very heavily, heavily based on a process orientation. It's process oriented versus coaching, which is a little bit more progress oriented. So there is a greater use of, you know, solutions focus, there is a greater use of creating systems of creating routines. And you put more weight on that in coaching. I love that. Do you feel like you, cause I, like you said, you're very clear or you have that discussion with clients as to what type of modality you're using with them, whether you're wearing your therapy hat or your coaching hat. I'm so curious though, do you feel like you have a sense of being able to, in a sense, like hold one hat and be clear in that moment? Or do you find that, you know, you sort of interchange between the two sometimes? So when it comes down to isolating just a therapy client or just a coaching client, I do have that really good, strong delineation. And part of it is, like I said, it's looking at wellness as a continuum. And, you know, the audience can't see this. I'm drawing, drawing a line, but there is this period in which there is an overlap and much like how you could see a physical therapist while also working with an athletic trainer, that there is that overlap there. So when I have a client come in, usually what we talk about is identifying where they are on that continuum and what they could benefit from more. That's really what it is. It's identifying where are you on that spectrum and what is the greatest need that you have? No example, I I think it's great to use anecdotes here is I could have a client that comes in and says, I went through a massive divorce last year and I'm looking to improve the quality of my life. And typical screener questions I'll ask, especially if they know that I do both and they're not sure which one to go with, is I'll ask them, where are you in regards to recovering from that divorce? And what do you need now? If the response is, I'm noticing that I'm having a lot of patterns that are showing up, a lot of behaviors, a lot of, you know, anxieties, anything of the sort. I'm more inclined to encourage them to participate in therapy and counseling to get them to a point where they have a little bit more confidence about dating. 
same client comes in and says, you know, I, I went through this divorce. I didn't exactly go through therapy, but I've made peace with how things ended. And I'm looking to have somebody help me learn how to date. It's been years since I've been, you know, on dating and dating apps intimidate me. Putting myself out there is really scary. And we take a full scope of, you know, their life. We take a full scope of what their levels of happiness are in all these different areas and how those may or may not have been impacted by the divorce. And then we create this whole system to help them flourish with dating. I love that. I love how you even broke it down and compared it to like you talked about physical fitness, because as you were explaining it, I was thinking to myself, yeah, both are needed. Physical therapists are needed. Personal trainers are needed. They're both so valuable. It's just sort of like the tools that are provided are just a little bit different, yet they're still addressing what the client is wanting to work on, which is issues that's going on within their bodies. So I love how you broke that down. It's like, same thing. Therapists are needed and coaches are needed. Of course, as long as they are practicing ethically and according to their board standards. Yeah. You know, I, it's a lot like comparing, you know, the idea of going to a physical therapist and saying, I need to lose weight. Right. And your physical therapist, while they might have the backing and the training, maybe they started off as a personal trainer first, they may, you know, take that moment to assess and say, okay, well, you know, I, I primarily practice as a physical therapist. Let's take a look at how I can support you with weight loss. Are you having any issues with your mobility or your joints or anything that's preventing you from weight loss? That's that focus, but they may even make the referral for you to see an actual personal trainer. Or if you are a high performer, it's being able to back up what your athletic coach is working on. So, you know, the one thing is that it's a great overlap, you know, best way I can kind of describe it is if you are a person who is in therapy and unpacking a lot of work, but you're leaving your therapy sessions feeling slightly unsatisfied because you're looking for some kind of solution. You're looking for some kind of thing to do to further you along the way. It's a great compliment to have a coach on board. And what I've done as a coach is I've also worked in tandem with therapists. You know, there's releases that are signed on both ends. I'll coordinate with a therapist and, you know, a client I used to work with, her therapist and her would process a lot of things in relation to her anxiety and they would make notes on the side. You know, she would take notes in therapy and make notes on the side and her therapist would even say, you know, I think that's a great thing to work on with coach, you know, with your coach. It's a great thing to talk about your routine and keeping you accountable with doing these self-care routines, these, you know, anxiety management routines outside of, you know, the the therapy sessions. And likewise, when I would be working with this client and we would be talking about things, I would point out, I can see how that's a really big barrier for you. How do you feel about bringing that up in therapy or even ask a question of what's going on in therapy and how is that being addressed? So that way everyone stays in their lanes. Love that. Love that. And, you know, Eileen, a lot of our listeners, they are newly licensed or, you know, they might be in grad school interested in joining the field. And so often I do see a lot of clinicians that are kind of grappling with that question. Should I also do coaching? Should I maybe look into this? Can I do both? Curious if you have any piece of feedback or advice to someone who's maybe newer or interested in looking into both fields of therapy and coaching. Yeah. So the best advice I can give, right? The simplest advice is to figure out the client you want to work with. 
what are some of the things that are going on in their lives, right? Of course, clearly, if you are developing the business side of it and you're creating a client avatar to give you an idea of how to market, how to speak to the client so that they feel seen and heard just based on what you're putting out there. It's the same thing. You want to create this ideal client you want to work with. And the question I always ask, you know, some of the people that I mentor is to ask the question of how would they best be served? Would they best be served with helping, you know, helping them understand how they got there or would they best be served with how to move forward? And if the answer is how they got there, leaning a little bit more towards on the therapy side, if it's more of where they want to go, it's leaning heavily on the coaching side. And if your thought and feeling is, I want the whole continuum, it's pretty much your answer is it's Mm -hmm. worth looking at both. And the more that I see it, you know, I'm seeing such a great integration with coaching and therapy, you know, a bit of a bit of some disclosure. I, I am an instructor for a ICF accredited coaching program. And we do get a lot of therapists that come in and, you know, it's kind of coming up a lot more. And usually when I talk to these clinicians, you know, there's usually at least one or two or five in each cohort that we have. And when I have conversations with them in office hours, we discuss a little bit about why they want to go into coaching. You know, it's not always I'm burnt out. This is really, you know, coaching is just a breath of fresh air in comparison to a lot of the intensity I deal with on a day-to-day, some of them is just recognizing, I don't feel as though talking about it and working on symptoms is enough. I want to supplement this with learning some tools on how to coach my clients, or it's a bit of both. It could be, I want to hit all sides of the spectrum. I want to hit the therapy side. I want to hit be a coach for completely different niche from what I work with. And I want everything else in between. It, it almost makes it so much easier. I mean, I keep going back to your analogy, right? And and that continuum, it's blowing my mind because it's putting things in such clear perspective. And now I'm even sitting here wondering like, oh my God, are these the pieces like in therapy that I might feel like I've been missing out on? Yeah. You know, I think part of the birth of coaching came from a combination of solutions, focused therapy, sports psychology, as well as athletic coaching. And it's heavily rooted in positive psychology. You know, a lot of people don't realize that coaches also have evidence-based practices that they use. They just look a little differently. There's a difference between me as a clinician looking at core beliefs and identifying all of their cognitive distortions that are creating their narrative versus an exercise where it's all about highlighting your strengths and seeing where those strengths are promoted in areas of your life that are providing you great happiness or where they're being underutilized. And there is a much different you know, aspect as, as a coach with also using techniques such as visualization techniques. There's this really great intervention that I like to use in both therapy as well as coaching called best possible future self. And the exercise is to spend 20 minutes every day for at least three days during the week, set a timer, minimize distractions, writing, even if you are not sure what to write or you're running out and you're taking pause to just write stream of consciousness. What would that look like? Your best possible future self, give me everything, use all of your senses 
to engage in bringing that forward. And that's, you know, me as a clinician borrowing from positive psychology. I love that. It's such a beautiful integration. And with coaching too, you know, as, as clinicians, as therapists, we also have the option, like we, we have to know and have a certain degree of knowledge of all continuums, like you said, of mental health, but a lot of clinicians, I'm sure you do as well, may have a niche or specialization. Like I do trauma, some other therapists specialize in OCD, for example, and, and out of curiosity with, with coaching, you know, do coaches also have that opportunity to specialize? Do you specialize in something? Yeah. So with coaching, just like therapy, there is a lot of specializations. Clearly, if you have a niche with coaching and it requires additional training, example, you could be a sober coach. You could, you know, go on and take certain classes or take certain, you know, apply to a different program that focuses on being a sober coach. And some of that can look a lot like companionship, right? It's just basically you working with someone day-to-day, showing up to their house, getting them through the process. It looks a little bit like a sponsor, but a bit different because there's a little bit more encouragement. And it's the same thing. You could be a women's coach. You could be a wellness coach. You could be a mindfulness coach. You could be a parent coach. You could be a, you know, parent partner coach, meaning that you are working to, you know, more in depth and collaboration with that parent and also normalizing a lot of what their experiences because you share similar experiences. There's grief coaching. There are people that are coaches that go on to be doulas, like death doulas to help with assisting the process of, you know, when you are in your sunset years of, of the, of your life and you want somebody to help you with that transition. So there's so many aspects to it. And one of the things that I see is there's a lot of personal trainers or athletic coaches that want to come in to formalize their training because they're realizing that there is an aspect of mindset that they're missing and that they want to supplement with their athletic training. So there's so many niches. I mean, you could even specialize in doing something where let's say you are a little bit more esoteric in your practices. You could be a nature coach. There's like you know, some people are now starting to blend, which I think is really cool, blending the practice of like equine, uh, equine therapy with coaching. And it's helping people find wellness in that way. You can do so much with coaching, just like you can with therapy. It's just a matter of finding the information, the education, the training, and also just putting your own magic, sprinkling your own magic into it. Beautiful. I love that. It's like an endless array of, of like, capabilities and options, right? Yeah. So, so for those who might be listening and might not know where to start, how would you direct them? I'm going to encourage you to do a lot of research and the, the very best thing to do is do a lot of research. I'm, I'm a huge fan of figuring out where you want to go and working backwards. If you're looking into coaching and you have an idea of, I want to be an executive coach. And it's asking the question of what milestones I need to hit executive coaching. And if you're planning to do more of an executive coaching program, I'd actually encourage you to look at the ICF, you know, website and take a look at the different programs in which you could pursue that because executive coaching is working with CEOs. It's working within companies. It's a different class and caliber than somebody who is doing more fitness or wellness coaching. It's a different beast. It's also you want to learn a little bit more about structures and contracting because that gets really dicey and fuzzy. I won't go into it, but 
that is something that you might want to do is to figure out who you want to coach and what do you need to get there. You know, clearly some, some coaching, you can get away with just a standard program that is teaching you the essentials. But if you want to do things like sober coaching, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be the coach that works with women post abusive relationship, meaning this person's already been in therapy, they're getting to the point where they're now starting to rebuild their lives. And therapist is looking for somebody to walk them through the process of this is how we're going to start living. These are the things that are healthy for us, et cetera. Then you might want to look into a program that's going to support that, you know, potentially take on a, a trauma informed coaching program or certification. So research is a big thing. I'm going to give the plug that I have been, you know, an instructor with this wonderful, wonderful program called journey. And anybody could look them up and even speak to a live person about what coaching is, what's the overview of the program, what do they highlight, what do they work on. And if anyone wants to, you know, look that up, it's journey spelled J-R-N-I dot C-O. They could look journey up. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredibly informative, Eileen, just to learn a little bit about the different nuances and and what to look out for. If people want to, let's say, either work with you or maybe reach out to you about coaching and or therapy, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram. I do have a professional Instagram page. It's at Eileen. My name is spelled A-I-L-E-E-N dot therapy coaching. They are more than welcome to message me there. You can also reach me basically send me an email through my, you know, therapy website. If you'd like to, that's www.autherapy.life. You know, there's a little form there in which you can plug in your information and get back to you. Uh, the question that you asked earlier is what do I specialize in as a coach? You know, I'm, I'm a women's coach. I definitely work with women. Any, anyone who identifies as a woman, I, I will coach them on any issues that have to do with life transitions, getting over a breakup, you know, big on the transitions. My major focus now is actually any type of mentorship. So I work with a lot of coaches who are learning to become better coaches. I'm also working with therapists who want to go into coaching. So you can always contact me through social media or via my website and we can chat. That is perfect. We will make sure to leave all of your information and contact info uh, as well as I think some of those beautiful differences between therapy and coaching that you described, I think a lot of people would want to to be able to visually, you know, visualize it for themselves. That will always be in our show notes. So please be sure to check that out at the end of, you know, listening to this episode. Eileen, one thing that we like to wrap off, you know, all our episodes with, and I think you kind of touched on this, especially with, you know, letting us know that you are on social media. The biggest thing for us is, you know, we're, we're all modern therapists, coaches, you know, modern people in this modern world. So our signature question is, how do you keep it real as a modern therapist? And for you, I'll also add as a coach. <laughs> Thank you. It's a really great question. I think for me, it's even just acknowledging that therapist and coach are job titles for me. They're roles that I play, but they're not my entire identity. When I'm not at work, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a coach. I even set that boundary with friends that as much as I 
would love to help you in that capacity. I'm also just wanting to be your friend right now. So if you have a question, I could direct you to wonderful people that would better be able to serve you. And, you know, it, it even comes along this idea that I have that when I was seeking out my own therapist, I didn't even want to let them know I was a therapist. I didn't want to be seen as a therapist coming in to do work. I wanted to be treated as a person who happens to be a therapist coming in to improve their mental wellness. So I think that's what keeps me grounded. But in addition to that, whenever I'm with a client, I make it a point to identify their absolute best qualities, you know, what makes them super special and to even highlight their expertise. And it's very humbling because you get to see this wider range of people that have different forms of intelligence. They have all of these wonderful experiences, maybe some that are not so wonderful, but have given them the opportunity to build this higher level of resilience. I'm in constant awe of my clients. I feel as though some of them do not give themselves enough credit for going through and surviving and learning to thrive despite what they've been through. And that's like a really huge focal point for me because it keeps me humble. It definitely keeps me humble. That is an absolutely beautiful answer. I, I know for a fact that your clients are so lucky to, to have you to collaborate with. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I, I think when I really think about it, when I'm in practice with a therapy client or with a coaching client, I'm definitely holding myself to a professional standard, but I'm also leveling as a human. I'm going to level with somebody on a human level and say, Hey, this is something that I happen to do in an area of expertise, but I'm going to speak to you as one human being to another. People seem to receive that a lot better. And it also is one of those things where you want to be supportive and take the stance of you may be looking to me as an expert in so many things, but you are the expert of your own life. So let's take a look at that and let's celebrate that. Thank you so much for that beautiful segue and reminder that we're humans first. Thank you again so much, Eileen, for being here. Uh, we look forward to continuing to have these conversations. We'd love to have you back on at some point, if you'd like. Of course. Uh, yeah. This is a lot of fun. Good. Good. Thank you everyone for listening. Like Susie said, everything will be in the show notes. If you have any questions for us or have any topics that you'd like for us to cover on future podcast podcast episodes. I'm on Instagram at therapy with Janet B. I'm at sessions with Susie and we'll talk to you all very soon. Thank you for joining us today on couch time. You can find show notes for this episode linked in the description, along with all our references and resources mentioned today. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button. So you don't miss the next one. We will chat again soon. Bye. Bye.